0: It's NOLA History Guy Podcast for Monday, February 12th, 2024. Happy Lundy Gras and welcome to the pod. We're going to talk about the crew of Proteus today because it is, well, uh, most people think of today, of course, as Lundi Gras, but at uh, Antoine's restaurant, it's Proteus Monday because, well, that's the idea is that... The crew of Proteus has been around since 1882, and Antoine's is their kind of kickoff place and that kind of thing. So the restaurant always calls it Proteus Monday rather than simply, uh, than simply Lundy Graf. But uh, Proteus has been around for a while. Let's talk about their history. Okay, hey, let's talk about the crew of Proteus from 1882 with a little speed bump along the way. and parading to this day uh in uh, 2024 so here we go i am of course edward branley the nola history guy at nola history guy on all social media and of course the page is nola history guy and the group is new orleans uncovered on facebook so let's talk about the crew proteus we'll talk about its origins we'll uh Look at the social clubs that are the the behind-the-scenes, day-to-day kind of business front for these old line crews. Uh, Talk about the parade and its balls in the 19th century, then the early 20th century, coming into World War II. We'll talk about Proteus uh, post-war from 46, 46 kind of day, we'll say 46 to 86 which 87 is when we generally regard the Lundi Gras tradition to have really gotten up steam and kicking off. Uh, We'll talk about the Carnival Ordinance and Proteus leaving the streets in 92, and then the return of Proteus uh, in 2000, and it's still rolling from 2000 to this day. The origins of Proteus. So we go from Comus to Rex to Proteus. We start uh, modern Mardi Gras. We we date from the uh, form or organization of the Mystic Crew of Comus uh, in 1857. And then the Twelfth Night Revelers have their uh, first parade and ball in 1870, which was their first and last parade. But TNR have uh, kept on and continue on to this day with their ball. Uh, the Knights of Momus form in 1872. Rex King of Carnival also forms in 1872, and then ten years after Rex, we get another parade on the day before Mardi Gras. The Crew of Proteus, which forms in 1882, in uh, starting at Christmas time in 1881. We start seeing announcements in the uh, the New Orleans Times and the Daily Picayune and other newspapers, which were the proclamations of Rex, King of Carnival, uh, saying you know, uh, uh, Mardi Gras coming after Christmas. Get ready for a fun time. Uh, and uh, the, those announcements, of course, would start at Christmas. They'd move into Twelfth Night. And one of the mentions in those 1881, winter 1881, 12th night early 1882 proclamations was beyond the lookout for a new crew on Monday, the crew of Proteus. And then in the uh, Daily Picayune, a week before the parade uh, takes took place so February 13th or so, you start seeing these announcements. The following named gentlemen are requested to meet promptly at the Opera House on Monday, February 20th, 1882, at seven o'clock to serve as a reception committee because the crew of Proteus was going to get on their floats that night and parade through the streets ending the parade at well it says here the opera house it becomes known later as the french opera house because it's there on bourbon street in bienville in the french quarter and other theaters uh kind of take that name in particular the the grand opera house uh on uh on um canal street right right next to well, what what becomes the uh the S.H. Crest building in the 900 block of Canal. But anyway, at this point, it's just the opera house. And that's the the French opera house there on Bourbon Street. And then there's your reception committee with uh, Colonel Louis Bush, Bush as the chairman and a whole bunch of those guys that these are the organizers. They're not members of the crew, but they are dignitaries appointed by the crew as a reception committee and you see a lot of the old line crews still do this where you've got the crew who are masked and anonymous and then the general committee who are guys that are uh, business associates of crew members and buddies uh, of crew members. Maybe they don't have the, the financial wherewithal to put out to pay for the membership and everything else. But they come help and they serve as dignitaries on the night of the ball. Uh, the general committee takes on a, uh, a, a an additional role for the crew members that we'll talk about with dances at the ball in a little bit. So this is the announcements. Like, uh, you know, uh, show up on uh, show up next Monday. And uh, and these are the crew members. Uh, the tradition here is, of course, that the women were wearing formal long dresses and gowns. The men would wear evening attire, which was generally assumed to be a tuxedo, you know, black tie. But then the committee members would wear white tie and tails, and that would distinguish them from just being a guest of the crew and going from there. Uh, ladies not in full dress will be conducted to the upper tiers. In other words, yeah, you know, you get, to, you get to sit in the box and watch, that kind of thing. Whereas you had to be properly attired to be down on the floor as the crew comes in. All seats are considered as reserved for ladies. Uh, we'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, and uh, you kind of get the idea there. Guests are warned that invitations are purely personal and cannot be transferred. Uh, and and again, we get in and it be, that becomes part of the, you know, the whole personal secrecy tradition of these events. To this day, people are like, yeah, we, you hook me up with we, we, we' go into the Comus ball and everything else, you know, So that's where it starts. So these are the beginnings of it. The parade hasn't happened yet, but you're seeing the publicity begin for that first parade of Proteus. On February twentieth, eighteen eighty-two. Here's one of the float sketches. Uh, the theme, the first theme for Proteus in eighteen eighty-two, was ancient Egyptian theology. In other words, the floats represented the floats. Part of the tableau was to present floats, uh, each one themed for an Egyptian god. And this is uh, this is the Egyptian god Apis. On his barge on the Nile, and his attendants and musicians and trumpeters and everything else, uh, yeah, you know, you didn't have all these women waving fans at an Egyptian god on the float. It was the the men of the crew, but the, the yeah the, the the drawings come out so that not that the floats come out bad, mind you, but these watercolor illustrations of the float designs are really really incredible, and it's a. Tribute to both the uh, Louisiana State Museum and the uh, and and the uh, the carnival collection at the Tulane Library that they've they've saved. A, you know a lot of these are preserved and archived and now digitized, so it's easy to get a hold of them and everything. So on the twentieth of February, eighteen eighty-two. Uh, We see a a news, a short news article in the Daily Picayune. The pageant of Proteus tonight will appear on the following named streets on St. Charles, Camp and Carondelet streets between Julia and Canal, on Canal between Chapitulis and Rampart, Bourbon between Canal and St. Louis. Basically, what does this tell you if you follow Carnival and you follow Mardi Gras parades? Proteus was an uptown crew. It didn't parade in and around the French Quarter. It started uptown. And uh, what we now refer to as the the quote-unquote standard uptown route, this is more or less that idea that the parades would start way up on Napoleon or possibly on Jackson Avenue and would come down St. Charles Avenue They'd parade down St. Charles. They'd they hit Harmony Circle, do a half circle around the a Harmony Circle, and then come back out uh, onto what used to be called St. Charles Street. You know, it was referred to as St. Charles Avenue when it was the neutral ground and the streetcar ran in the middle and everything else. But when you hit Harmony Circle, Coming into town, the streetcars came in on, well, originally came in on Barone, then now the streetcar comes in on on Carondelet, turns around and comes back outbound on St. Charles. But the parade makes the half circle of Harmony Circle and then goes down St. Charles Street, basically the wrong way. It's a one-way street the other way, but for the parade, it goes down St. Charles we hit Poydras, we cross Poydras. They come to Gallier Hall, and when the parade gets to Gallier Hall, the, the 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 crew stops. The king is toasted by the mayor and city officials, and then they proceed on to Canal Street. Uh, the parade used to, it would make its stops at the uh, Pickwick Club and the Boston Club, and then head into the French Quarter uh, until, was a 1914, I think, was when the... Uh, when the French Opera House burned down. But basically they, they went up Canal Street, turned onto Rampart, turned into the quarter, uh, uh, turned on the Rampart, made a U-turn on Rampart, part, turned onto Bourbon Street, and then would disband on Bourbon Street. And then the, the crew members would walk to the back to the Opera House and then they would start the Tableau Ball. So the parade starts at sunset, flambeaux, elaborate uh, uh, floats. Exciting presentation for the average people on the street. And that all leads then to the private ball and the ball, the first ball of the crew of Proteus, February 20th, 1882. Remember that advertisement saying that your invitation is personal and non-transferable and uh, et cetera, et cetera. That was your invitation in eighteen eighty two was this elaborate card that was uh that that was your that was your ticket into the ball uh not beautiful. and of course, uh the you know Proteus uh in eighteen eighty two if you if you think of Comus, we've had now 20, 25 years of artistry and and design to, uh for uh Artists making these invitations for carnival balls, so you can see it's 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 lovely, right? You know, this was your this was your pass into the ball. By all accounts, and in particular, this account of the ball of Proteus uh, on Monday night, uh, February twentieth, eighteen eighty-two. The crew of Proteus, after their appearance on the streets in a splendid pageant. Reappeared at the French Opera House in a brilliant tableau and you see the papers referring to it as the French Opera House to distinguish it from other theaters and such in in town, the house was thronged with a splendid assemblage of ladies and gentlemen, and we had the the grand tableau ball at the Opera House uh, uh, on that Monday night. Okay, let's pause for a moment and take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll continue with the history of the crew of Proteus. Let's talk for a minute. Now, the Proteuses is now part of the game, right? They're part of the 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 carnival organization scene, that carnival organization scene has again now been around for 25-ish years. The business of this, remember the the to this day uh Momus, Comus, and Proteus all purport to be secret societies They're, anonymous societies and that kind of thing. They wear full masks on the street when they parade. So you're not supposed to know who they are. Even at the ball, they would get in, they would get, you know, uh, get their wrists slapped, get smacked down a little bit, if they would take their masks off. The whole idea was you're a member of the crew and it's a secret society. The business of these secret societies was done at the luncheon clubs, the social clubs that had uh, organized in the mid 1800s and are still around to this day. Uh, you know, Basically, uh, again, luncheon business organizations. The first club in New Orleans that's not like a you know medical society or a legal society, a particular professional organization, but a social business luncheon organization was founded in 1841, and it was known as the Boston Club. And it was called the Boston Club because of the card game Boston. There's no direct affiliation between these guys and those folks up in Boston, Massachusetts. It was designed the, the idea here was to refer to it as uh to as a place where you gathered and you played cards in particular the card game uh the, the, the card game boston and you see this with other clubs you know like the later the chess checkers and whist club forms whist being a game uh along the lines of of hearts and spades and bridge where you you know you, you deal out to get the deck you designate a Trump suit and you play taking, you know, uh four players taking tricks. You know, that whole you get the idea, Boston, you know, uh, these card games. Initially, the Boston Club has extensive connections with the horse racing scene and horse racing community. But by the 18, by the late 1850s, when Comus forms, you start seeing, well, obviously these are. Uh, wealthier men in society in New Orleans that's happened. that's what uh, that's where Comus draws its initial membership from. So Boston Club and and the and the Comus organization to start developing a relationship. that extends of course to the other, Carnival organizations because they're coming out of the same pool of men. There's a lot of overlap. You know, you'd have uh, you'd, you'd have people that were in both the the you know both in Momus and in Comus and that kind of thing. A lot of it has to do with the debutante Catalian concept that the. Carnival balls where are uh, the city's debutante cotillions, and that's where the uh, young ladies of society were formally introduced and all of that kind of stuff. So the Boston B Club, the, the, the Boston Club becomes a big deal here. This is a a, a photo from UNO's collections of the Boston Club at eight twenty four Canal Street, where it still stands to this day uh, from the eighteen nineties. So the Boston Club becomes that that public face, if you will, of these carnival organizations. And on uh, on uh, uh, for for the Momus Parade, the Proteus Parade, Rex on Carnival Day, Comus on Mardi Gras Night, uh, the Boston Club erected a large uh, a, a large reviewing stand in front of the place. And here is an illustration from. Caroline Wogan-Duroux, who, uh, who uh, drew the Queen of the Mardi Gras at the Boston Club in 1940. Uh, this is a 1946 illustration. And you see the, the Queen there with her, her elaborate bouquet, and then the ladies of the Rex Court. And behind them, you see... Rex dignitaries. Uh, you see the guy in a uh, formal morning suit because Rex being a day parade. And then folks behind them, club members, guests, some of them have masks. some of them are in uh, in uh, in uh, formal day clothes, that kind of thing. So this is 824 Canal. You see this little three-story building in between a couple of the other buildings uh, on Canal Street. That's the Boston Club. No, you're probably not going to get to have lunch there. Sorry. That kind of thing. So, of course, the Boston Club starts in 1841. It's going uh to this day. Here's an example from of it, uh, the of the, the formality uh from Mardi Gras in 46, in uh 1952, uh the former King of England, now then the Duke of Windsor, and the woman he loved, the Duchess of Windsor. Uh, come to New Orleans for carnival, and they are invited to uh, to watch the parades at the Boston Club in the reviewing stand. They review Rex. They review Comus that night. They go to the Rex Ball. They come over to the meeting of the courts on the Comus side of, of the auditorium, that whole bit. So the Boston Club becomes a big part of this. Now, you know, the thing about these, these, these luncheon clubs, these business clubs, they're White men with influence, money, and connections. And that in itself is not without drama. And so you've got where you know it's like, yeah, I'm I'm resigning from this club because you won't let my brother-in-law in, or whatever. You know, the old story about uh uh about Mattery Cemetery, how it was the racetrack and the jockey club, and Howard bought the land. And turned it. He said, "You know, it's like I, uh, yeah, you, know, you got blackballed from the club. I'm going to buy all this land and turn it into a graveyard one day." Well, you know what? He did. It's Metairie Cemetery. Now. You know, that kind of thing. There's drama with every social organization. You know, geez, all the way down out of social media and everything. One of the things one that some of that drama created 15 or so years later was the formation of another social business luncheon club known as the Pickwick Club. And the Pickwick Club became another, you know, it's like, yeah, you blackball me, I'll go form my own club kind of thing. Um, It's no coincidence that the Pickwick Club is organized in 1857, at the same time the Mystic Crew is organizing. The Pickwickians were very, the, the, the connection here between Comus and the Pickwick Club was incredible. This is an illustration of the Pickwick Club's clubhouse, if you will, a club building in uh, the 1000 block of Canal Street. It was there in the, uh, it was there in the the late 1890s, um, the, uh, or or actually this is the design of, this is the architectural rendering of what would become the Pickwick Clubhouse at that time, because the original, well, it wasn't the original, it was the second or third Pickwick Club was, at that time, known as the Pickwick Hotel, and it was a four-story building that was uh, at the uh, at 800 at Canal and Um and it was the the it was uh, built out as a hotel, and the Pickwick Club took over uh, the bottom floor of uh, you know uh, uh, most of the bottom floor or the second floor of the building in the hotel. And that was their club area. That was their luncheon area, their business club area, private area of the hotel. So the Pickwick hotel is also the Pickwick club in the 1880s or so. Uh, By 1897, the, uh, the, that's a whole nother go. You gotta, you gotta read the Krauss book and the MB book uh, for, for some of that. But by 1897, the Pickwick hotel, that building, was sold to Leon Fellman, who had been evicted from the Mercier building <laughs> across the street and that's why you see this architectural drawing the Pickwick Club sold the building and built their own club building a little bit further up the street and that's uh the, the this then becomes the uh turn of the century incarnation of the Pickwick Club they later sold this building and moved to the corner of Uh, St. Charles Street and Canal, and that big white building that you see at St. Charles and Canal is the present-day Pickwick Club. The downstairs, the retail piece of that uh, was a Russell Stover candy store for decades, and then the Russell Stover store closed. Uh, Starbucks converted that space into a coffee shop. They left last year, and now it's a French truck coffee shop still kind of the same idea there but that's the current incarnation of the pickwick club now over time uh some of the associations here and I'm not completely up on this and if if you're more knowledgeable on this than me you know which I've picked up a lot of stuff from a lot of sources god love you you folks in, in the friends of the cabildo but i'm told that uh, i'm told that the 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 boston club Uh, which has always been the public face of the the School of Design, the Rex organization, is also more now uh, closely aligned with the mystic crew. And the Pickwick Club, or the modern incarnation of the Pickwick Club, is more closely aligned with Proteus. Let's talk about parades and balls in the 19th century. So again, we saw the float from uh, ancient Egyptian mythology, the first parade in uh, in uh, 1882. Here is the 1887 parade. The theme was Anderson's fairy tales. So each float represented one of Hans Christian Andersen's uh, uh, stories. Here's the Little Mermaid. Uh, and so, of course, that, that's the idea. You have the, the lovely float present out a beautiful presentation on the street. The members of the crew would be in aquatic-y type, mermaid-y, merman, if you will, costumes. And then during the tableau at the ball, they would come out and tell, and they would represent the story of the Little Mermaid. A couple of years later... We see the elves of the dance for the 1890 parade, and again, you don't have girls in dresses up on the float. So, so these 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 artists' renderings, these artist conceptions of the float, they're beautiful watercolors. Yeah, but it was guys up on the parade, is <laughs> up on the float. You kind of get the idea there. So again, the I you know basically what we're seeing is an uptown parade. the uh, the The crew makes its way down St. Charles Avenue, turn on Harmony Circle, come down the wrong way on St. Charles Street, turn, toast the mayor, toast at the Pickwick Club, toast at the Boston Club, and make their way into the French Quarter for the ball at the French Opera House. You get to the French Opera House and there's been a good bit of planning and invitations and logistics to get the ball going. So by... 9 o'clock, 9.15, the parade is lining up on Bourbon Street, having turned off of Canal. And these guys dismount at the Opera House, and then the floats pull up. So even you can still kind of catch the parade, even if you live in the Quarter, you live down in the Ninth, and you can make your way up and catch it as the parade's disbanding and that kind of thing. So they make their way into the French Opera House on Bourbon and Bienville Street in the Quarter. And we're ready to start the ball and the ball, the, these balls are very formal and very structured. You know, you present, you present his majesty, the king, he invites his queen to come up with her court. They take the dais. So they, some, you know, a lot of, uh, a, a lot of crews will have a grand march where the uh, king queen and the court will process around once or twice and then take the dais uh, and allow that way, the maids of the court can be presented to his majesty. And of course, that's, that's debutante cotillion. You're presenting the, the young ladies of the season and all of that kind of stuff. And once all of that's done, then you start having some formal dancing that leads into general dancing and partying and everything else into the wee hours of the morning. So what happens, though, is that so you're a member of the crew. And you have one of the members of the committee, of the general committee, that's a buddy of yours, somebody you appointed, that kind of thing. And you take this formal dance card that's been printed up for you. This is, this is uh, the dance card opened up and laid flat. So the right-hand side is the front of the dance card. You see the KOP there. And on the rear, you see the date, February 22nd. 1887 for this one. And then inside, you'll see that there are 20 formal dances. And when I say dance, these are usually, it's like the the orchestra will play, you know, a a team like, yeah, a Lancer's March for a minute, minute and a half, that kind of thing. Then they'll pause and you'll invite, uh, you know, the, the member of the crew will choose another. Well, he's already chosen the lady. Uh, You know, they'll, they'll switch partners and then do a waltz and a polka. And you get the idea here, different kinds of dances as we're going through. And the idea of what happens with this dance card is the crew member writes down the names of the ladies that he is inviting to dance. And then he turns the program back in to the general committee. So when the committee puts together and sends out the invitations for the ball there will be a note inside the inside the invitation To a particular lady, and it will say, "You have been invited. uh, You have been uh, invited to dance with a member of the crew for the third dance of the third formal dance of the evening." Something like that. This starts with the Proteus crew, and so by '87, it's become quite the thing. It's what's known in Mardi Gras in Carnival ball parlance as the call out. Because what happens is you saw that thing in the invitation where, you know, the, the ladies are are in reserve seats down on the floor. So you're you have a call out, you're sitting in a specific area. And what happens is the members of the crew having presented their tableau are now milling around on the dance floor. The 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 king and the queen do open the dancing with a formal dance of their own. The King Queen and court, the Dukes of the you know uh, officers of the parade escorting the court, they all kind of then return to their positions and the committee men go over to the reserve seating and they call out ladies names and they would say Mrs so and so and he would offer his arm and he would escort Mrs so and so to the crew member that invited her for that dance. Now in you know this a lot of this is is kind of formal and stiff and everything else. It's like you know your first your, your, your first dance, your, your, your committeeman will go over and and, and and fetch your wife and escort her over. and then maybe your uh, you know your two daughters and then your niece or your granddaughter, you know, this kind of thing. But then you get oh, you get all the dr- you get the drama. You know, it's like, this is all supposed to be anonymous, right? You you know, you you have guys that will do a call out for somebody else's wife and that kind of thing. And it's, you know, sometimes it's innocent. You're, you know, you got plenty of these to fill. So you get your business partner's wife and you ask her, and she's already danced with her husband. You ask her for a dance, that kind of thing. Uh, One of the traditions of the call out, of course, is you give the crew member presents the lady with a favor, thanking her for the dance and for joining him for the, you know, for this portion of the evening. It's usually something small, you know, like a, uh, you know, a, uh, uh, like a little snuff box or, you know, a little, uh, uh, a little uh, mask or something, you know, something not terribly expensive, nice, pretty stuff like that, but not terribly expensive. You give your wife maybe something a little more expensive because she's your wife. Or you give your mistress that you're seeing on the side maybe something a little nicer than what your wife got. And then they start comparing notes and here comes the drama, right? And you know, oh, you talk about writing props, you know, it's like you guys, you guys want to write about carnival, come see me again, because I I I have stories going back to you know my mama, my grandmother, and everything else about you know, stories they heard or experienced, you know, in the you know, mid-century and that kind of thing. So but anyway, here's the a dance card from the 1887 ball. You were given, your crew member, the crew member was given this. He then fills out who uh, he wants to invite. They cross-reference everything. You got two people want to invite the same lady on the same dance. You make the appropriate adjustments and then the invitations go out and hopefully merriment ensues and not too much drama. That's the story of the parades and the balls starting in 1882, coming into the turn of the 20th century. The early 20th century leading up to the suspension of carnival celebrations for World War II kind of follow the same pattern. Here's the King's float for 1907. Uh, You can see nowadays we have an expectation that Proteus is god of the sea, and they dress the king of Proteus up, uh, looking like something from Greek mythology, uh, looking like a sea law, lo- you know, a a, a, a a sea creature, uh uh with uh, a long beard and uh you know seashell crowns and that kind of thing. Here you're following the theme a bit more, like look at the uh the Moorish uh, uh attendant, uh horse attendant, and the Arabesque horses pulling the float. Yeah, this is all. That's all artist concept, right? You know, you didn't have float, you didn't have horses pulling the float because horses would get skittish. you you used mules. We'll see that in a moment. Here's a sketch of it says, uh, it says Proteus at Gallier Hall, 1907. Uh, that's the the entry in the Commons, but clearly, this is probably not Proteus for a couple of reasons one as you can see the concept for the king's float is quite different than this little uh this little royal coach that we see here uh in 1907 but what 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 probably got this misidentified it's a uh a John Pemberton illustration from 1907 that's gallier hall uh but there's 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 uh you would look at the KOP and say crew of proteus but there's a couple of things uh, that don't jive here. First off, it's obviously a daytime illustration, which is why I included it, because it's great to see the, the vibe here, the feel of the municipal reviewing stand. Gallier Hall was City Hall until the 1950s. Now it's the ceremonial City Hall and all of that kind of stuff uh, NCIS New Orleans used Gallier Hall as the City Hall in the show. Because, because uh, CBS pumped a ton of money into renovations for Gallier Hall, so they let them shoot in there like it never changed. It's kind of a neat uh, faux pas, if you will. But yeah, you know, it's. But anyway, at this time, it is the city hall. That's the you know the government center and all of that stuff. Uh, the 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 other thing that doesn't well doesn't jive here is it doesn't match the crew descriptions for the parade that year, and then the 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 final thing of note is the flag that you see there, uh, uh, just behind that wagon, and that is that green, gold, purple flag that's flying uh, toward the center toward the uh, uh, right hand side uh, uh, of the illustration. That is the flag of the Rex organization. And if you walk through the Garden District, go see my friend, uh, go see my friend Artie and take a tour, uh, you know, of, of the Garden District, you'll see that flag flying from a number of houses where there has been a family member who has been king of carnival, and they sport that flag on the house. Couldn't make the parade, didn't quite catch the theme of afloat. The Daily Picayune was there for you, and they posted the, they would include with the paper the next day for each one of the parades a broadside. We see tradition, uh, the the Times Picayune still continues that this tradition, uh, you know, with modern broadsides for Endymion and Bacchus and other, you know, the other uh, uh, super crews, that kind of thing. And so, here you've got. Uh, What do we have? We have four rows of five floats. So there were 20 floats with the theme of North American myth and legends of North American Indians for Proteus on February 12th, 1923. Jump a couple of years ahead. Here's an honest to goodness photograph of a Proteus float. There's a couple of things of note here. Hardly anybody on it. You know, these floats didn't put more than five or six people aside. Looks like we got two guys, one up front, and one toward the back here. Uh, There could have been other people that this may have maybe early in the route, somebody jumped off or they haven't totally loaded up yet. Or maybe you just had a float where some of these old guys are I'll catch up with y'all at the ball kind of thing you know so you know you're in the street it's just these two guys on the float note the wagon wheels at the bottom these are relatively small floats you'll see this on the modern incarnations of the parade uh to this day these old line crews use these smaller wagon based floats the other thing of note here is look at the propulsion system can't see their heads but it's a pair of mules and there's a black man there in that uh, that that jumpsuit that is keeping the mules under control. He's hooded up in that jumpsuit with that big hood because the flambos are going to be all up and around the floats. And of course, he's there. You know, he works for the stable or works for you know a company that that does mules. Uh, He doesn't want to get uh, kerosene on him or sparks or anything. So he's got that jumpsuit to protect himself, a little safety aspect there. So this is 1926. Gifford Mast from the Keystone View Company shot this photo. It was a stereo photo. So you put this in a stereo viewer, like, you know, the proto uh, older type uh, style viewmaster type stuff. Proteus 1931, if you... Watched our, our episode or read the the uh, the PDF of our Carnival Primer and our Twelfth uh, Night stuff. I I've used this particular illustration before. This is a float representing a medieval Mardi Gras uh, ceremony or you know Carnival Day uh, presentation. This was the Proteus Parade in 1931. You can see the Baron or the Earl of the castle there has come down off of his throne to observe the knighting of a young man so the young guy in the blue and gold uh with the white plume in his bonnet uh he's been dubbed a knight and now uh the lord's the 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 earl's daughter or wife is presenting him with his white belt of knighthood and everything else. They did this on Mardi Gras because it was the big day of the, the blowout Fat Tuesday, the blowout at uh, 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 the, the the blowout celebration before the first day of Lent. And so the manor starts the spring planting, and they're in their period of fasting and preparation for Easter. And while all that's going on. The squires who are newly knighted now enter the uh the, the lord's forces, his uh his small company of knights and uh and soldiers, and by springtime going into the summer campaigns, they then join up with the with the the, the monarch, with the king of the nation, and they go off to war. So this is medieval Mardi Gras represented in Proteus of 1931. Uh cut to the chase here you know you can kind of see with that illustration from the Boston Club uh this these illustrations of early 20th century carnival uh and early 20th century Proteus parades this stuff kind of is how it goes all the way up into the 70s and the 80s as far as the old line parades now, Uh, You know, things things are evolving over time. Of course, Uh, Zulu becomes more than just a uh, ragtag group of black folks parading around uh, in uh, you know in in back of town and that kind of thing. Uh, We have the suspension of carnival for World War One and World War Two. Things start blowing out after World War II, of course, as the economy booms. The Cold War is in play, but uh, you know you've got you've got the Duke and Duchess of Windsor coming over in the fifties and everything else. And a lot of this continues, but by the sixties we start seeing some some innovations, if you will. Right, we have the beginnings of what become the super cruise. So we have uh, we have uh, Endymion starting in sixty seven. Rex parading. Uh, excuse me, Rex. Bach is parading in '68. Uh, we have a number of other parades that have, you know, now are considered old line, like the crew of Hermes and the uh, the the Knights of Babylon. Momus and Comus are still parading. It becomes a bit of a routine or a a common tradition here. Coming up into the '80s, because in the '80s we start seeing two things start changing. One is the position of Black people in New Orleans business and society. We're still seeing a good bit of segregation, but the Black organizations are moving up in the world. And in particular, that means the crew of Zulu. So there's a desire by the 80s to open up some of the more public aspects of the celebrations. And one of the things that 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 one of the, the, the impetus for some of this, of course, is a lot of the riverfront development that takes place for the World's Fair in 1984. And there's a lot of infrastructure, the Riverwalk Mall is built out of the area that was exhibit area, the convention center that was uh, a big piece of the exhibit area for the world's fair Fulton street. All, a lot of this starts opening up. We see a revamp of the Spanish plaza area, right at, uh, right at the big, the entrance to the riverwalk marketplace there, uh, uh, at the at canal and the river, so all of this is starting to develop and open up, and it gets to the point where people are going out on the day before Mardi Gras to celebrate. We start seeing uh, the tradition renewed of Rex arriving into the city of New Orleans by boat. You know, a Coast Guard cutter would come to Spanish Plaza and let off uh, Rex Zulu traditionally always arrived by boat there was a boat a bit of a boat procession coming from the new basin canal to the turning basin there at South Rampart Street in back of town which was perfect for what you know uh, the 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 early days of the Zulu Social Aid and Pleasure Club, well, they've been elevated now to, you know, that status with the King of Carnival so that they, uh, so that uh, the Zulu the King uh, starts arriving by boat on the day before Mardi Gras. By 1987, Errol Laborde, who is one of the organizers of the Funny 40 Fellows, of the, of the modern incarnation of the Funny 40 Fellows, editor for New Orleans Magazine, he coins the term so it gets used in in a lot more common uh, parlance in eighty seven of Lundi Gras. You've got Mardi Gras, you've got Fat Tuesday, and Errol basically coins the the the, the term or the phrase Lundi Gras, Fat Monday, and you start seeing the formal uh, the various formal excitement and everything else that begins with that. That starts in the late eighties in eighty seven. Proteus is naturally a part of this because you've got all the celebration during the day. Rex arrives on a boat. Zulu arrives on a boat. Zulu starts having a big blowout in Woldenberg Park and, you know, uh, bands and, 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 and gatherings of folks and everything in, uh, in Waldenburg Park. So we've got that going. Uh, Spanish Plaza set up a bandstand. You've got, uh, restaurants in the area, bar rooms, set up little uh, little booths, and basically drinking and partying until sunset and Proteus comes and parades past all of this on their way to their ball. All of this is chugging along for a few years, and then there's a bit of a, I don't want it, to, it's it, the average person did not experience this speed bump, but it became a huge thing. And that was the Carnival Ordinance of 1992. And basically what happened was the city council supported by the mayor passed an ordinance that said, if you're going to get a a city parade permit, you have to present your membership roles. And the secret societies said no comus momus and proteus stopped parading in 1992 comus and momus never came back they still have their balls they no longer used they at that time they, they 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 switched from their balls being at the municipal auditorium to using hotel room grand ballrooms and to this day they still do that um proteus took a, a bit of a different path though because just before the carnival ordinance is passed, a new crew forms and asks for a parade permit for lundi Gras, And that's the crew of Orpheus, which is organized by Harriet Connick Jr. in 1991. And the next year, the carnival ordinance is passed. Proteus doesn't parade. Orpheus immediately starts assuming... This the prestige level of an Endymion and a Bacchus Saturday night, Sunday night, Monday night now. And Orpheus becomes a big deal at that point. Um, that motivates Proteus to come back because you know this is this this big parade joins the scene in 91. They're all there they're all she wrote. 92, 93, 94. People are like, you know, by, you know, the by, you know, by 98, 99 coming into Y2K, people are like, what was that parade that used to come before Orpheus, you know? I mean, there were people who actually said things like that, you know, his, you know, those of us who've been around knew that yeah, that was Proteus, right? You know, they still had their ball over in the Intercontinental Hotel on Monday night. But what was that parade they used to have, yes? Yeah, Proteus is like man, we you know it's like people in the organization were like, we should consider coming back because they're gonna t- they're gonna tell us at some point we 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 don't need you or we don't want you anymore that kind of thing. So Proteus returned to the streets in 2000, and with the exception of the cancellations for uh for COVID, they paraded uh you know there's the it's their 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 Lundi Gras thing. Here's Proteus in 2009. You can see you still got the papier mâché style floats. Uh, what do we have one two three looks like six guys on this side of the float so it's still the old wagon floats that don't carry a large number of people but they don't care because they're an old line crew this is going to be you know member guys from the pickwick club or their sons and that kind of thing it's all good why one of the things yeah again it's like you know you get the younger people in these organizations and they say they are going to tell us to get lost why because Orpheus was that good. This is the Orpheus Leviathan. You know how Bacchus has uh, Bacchusaurus and Bacchuaapa, the big whale, the signature floats, right? Orpheus has two big signature floats. We've got the the articulated multi-part Smoky Mary train that's just absolutely gorgeous, and then you've got the Leviathan here, this giant uh, Asian dragon that uh, uh, again articulated multi part all the smoke to make it look like it's coming out of the mists and everything. People like, yeah, what was that parade that used to be before this? You know that kind, of, and you get the idea. Here's Proteus in, in 2019. Again, uh, not much different here. You you, know, you 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 basically you're seeing the same concept here of the wagon wheel. There's a, uh, 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 you know, a, uh, seashells and, and, uh, enchanted fish and the waves and everything else. And, uh, this is the, uh, title float. Uh, it was organized in 1881 going now up to, uh, 2019. Bands for the parades on Lundi Gras and Mardi Gras. You don't see high, a lot of high school bands. Maybe you'll have uh St. Augustine high school, uh, periodically will parade, uh, on, uh, uh, well, so they are periodically the parade. They kind of alternate between parading in Zulu and parading in Rex. Occasionally, you'll have like Archbishop Rummel from Mattery and other bands parade, but usually the. Parades on Lundi Gras and Mardi Gras rely on uh, military bands. Uh, this is, uh, it's a Marine band. So this is from last year. This is likely the fourth Marine aircraft wings, uh, marching band, uh, you know, performing band. Uh, you know, the thing about these band, oh, musicians in the Marines, isn't that cute? You know, don't ever say that to, to, to Marines though. It's like these guys, you know, that, you know, the Marines like to say every, every Marine a rifleman. And all of that kind of stuff. When these guys aren't working on their music, they are the fire base security for whatever whatever unit the band is part of. So when they deploy, they pick up a rifle and they, you know, they, they don't go out and, you know, do combat, but they do firebase and headquarters security and that kind of thing. Here's Proteus last year bring us full uh, bring us all the way around here is uh uh Proteus last year in 2023 the same wagon wheel floats you get the idea they're just that gorgeous old style Proteus with his uh his uh his trident scepter uh almost looks like almost looks like modern Proteus is checking his cell phone see yeah, see, see what's going on on snapchat as he's going down st charles avenue that kind of thing and we'll see him again uh in uh what about what 12, 11, 12 days you know or so uh 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 for Gras 2024 a word from your sponsor buy my books please you know uh yeah the the middle one there new orleans canal streetcar line that's the first uh uh, Images of America book I wrote for Arcadia Publishing in 2004. Uh, it was 40 years since the uh, the Canal Streetcar started in 1861. Uh, in 18 in 1964, it was converted to bus operation, and then when I wrote the book in 2004, that was the return of the red streetcars and streetcar operation on Canal Street. And geez, it's 20 years already. I'm gonna have to. Come up and put up something really good for the 20th anniversary of the streetcars in the book. The book on the top left, Brothers of Sacred Heart in New Orleans, is the history of my high school, Brother Martin High School, and in the two pre- predecessor schools that came before it, Saint Aloysius uh, High School in 1860 uh, opened in 1869 in at Esplanade North Rampart, Corrier Zoo High School opened in 1954 in uh, on Elysian Fields. Uh, in Gentilly. The two schools combined together in uh, 1969 for the class of 1970 as Brother Martin High School. Been that way for the last now f- uh, 54 years. Uh, and I, I'm a proud 1976 graduate of Brother Martin. I wrote that book. Maison Blanche Department Stores is the story of uh, the, uh, the, the the Maison Blanche chain. That's uh, the, the, the cover is the uh, the original main store. On uh, at 901 Canal Street, uh, uh, was there, opened in 1897. The book covers the uh development, opening of the store, expansion out into the suburban neighborhoods, and then out to the malls, and then its closure. It's now the Ritz Hotel building. Uh, the bottom left, New Orleans Jazz, originally was going to be a book about Fulbert Treme. Uh, publisher came back and said. How about we expand the scope of that a little bit? I was a little nervous, but turned out to be fun. That is the Preservation Hall Jazz Band in 1967. That was the 1967 incarnation of the uh, of the, the house band, and there uh, they posed for an album cover there in front of Preservation Hall on uh, St. Peter Street. And then the the, the fifth book there, uh, the Greenish book is a different imprint from the Images of America books. It's Legendary Locals of New Orleans. Publisher asked me to do that one. I had so much fun. I was very pleased to do it. Think of it, you know, a classic who's who. uh, You know, it's that kind of thing where you have little short biographies of a whole bunch of different people over the 300-year span of the city. Top left corner, that's Dutch, Dutch Morial. Top right corner is Chef Austin Leslie with uh, with his yachting hat. Uh, came as, as a signature thing. Bottom right corner is uh, uh, gospel singer Mahalia Jackson. Bottom left corner is Dr. Norman C. Francis, who was longtime president of Xavier University and now has a big boulevard named after him in Mid-City. Uh, and Pops in the middle, little Wendell down there on the, on the right-hand side, looking forward to Wendell's new TV show. Uh, i'm sure he's not happy the ravens lost but that's a whole nother story uh the uh but yeah it was a a fun book to do so it's those five books and then uh in uh in 2017 uh the history i was pleased to uh, write a book for the history press uh uh 2017 was the 20th year since krauss department store which opened in 1903 closed krauss was from 1903 to 1997 was located there that's the that was the store building at uh at uh 1201 canal street and the history of the store and its impact on canal street and jewish retailing in general starting back from the 1880s all the way up to its closure just a fun tale to tell just you know uh definitely highly you know that that's, it's like you know, get the book, then come see me at the coffee shop. We'll talk you know, if you got stories, I'd love to hear them. Again, I am Ed Branley. I am uh my website is Nolahistoryguy.com, and that's where you're gonna, depending on where you uh you 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 ended up here to hear the podcast, most likely. Uh that picture is my business card. It's actually a picture of Canal and Rampart from 1914 with three different kinds of streetcars. You ever have a question? Feel free to email me. Uh, it's easy to hunt me down from nolahistoryguy.com. dot uh, Email me. Uh, put up a comment in uh, on the Nola History Guy page uh, on on Facebook or come find me on Twitter. Whatever the case, you know you got got something. Let's let you know, you want to share a story. When I ask a question, by all means, let's talk. No problem. Shout out to the folks who created this really neat parchment and ink style template for PowerPoint, which I try to use for a lot of the NOLA History Guy presentations because it's got that vibe to it, really. I I really like that. Thank you for listening. Got any questions, feel free to give me a shout out. Uh, Thank you so much uh, for Your time for this presentation. And that's the pod. We hope you have a great Lundi Gras, or having a great Lundi Gras, and certainly that you're going to have a wonderful Mardi Gras tomorrow. Uh, Looks like the weather, keep your fingers crossed, is going to hold pretty well, be a little chilly, but yeah, as as, as I said earlier today, we'll probably see fewer Slave layers tomorrow than we might if it was warmer, but otherwise... Looking forward to a great day, whether you go uptown, downtown, the quarter, into the Marigny, or even if you stay out in the Metris, have a good Mardi Gras, blow it out, do it full New Orleans style, and we'll catch up with you soon.